My name is Scott Challoner, and this is the Leaders Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on what is another bleak, wintry day here in the capital. But joining me on today's programme to hopefully had a little bit of brightness and warmth to affairs is Grace Graham, founder and director of Keep It Simple Training Company. Uh, Grace, very warm welcome to you and thank you so much for taking the time to join us on today's show. Good morning, Scott. It's been lovely to be here. Likewise, lovely having you as well, Grace. Fantastic. Um, Now, um, just for those regular listeners tuning in that might not be familiar with yourself and your organisation, you essentially provide bespoke training services that help generate anti-racist work environments and you also deliver CPD certified courses. That's essentially the crux of what you do, isn't it? Yes, that's it. Um, A lot of it is... um you know, the online stuff is 24-7, so people can access it any time. And the, the bespoke work is me going into organisations, either working with them long-term or doing some short-term work, you know, like running short workshops. Um, and it could go from anything from running short workshops to doing larger programmes, like year, year-long programmes, to get the whole organisation, um, you know, tuned in um, to find their anti-racist voice and um yeah really focus on on belonging and inclusion yeah fantastic and it's your eighth year in operation um, isn't it if i'm right in saying so been around yeah. for a bit now yeah it's, it's it's eight years um but it's only in the last ooh, two years that i've been doing more work on anti-racism mm. so started um under a different name and changed the name um in 2017 um, and then I was doing a lot more like coaching skills training then and then running leadership workshops um, for, you know, publicly. And then um, it just turned more to working with organizations. And then when the pandemic hit um, I, and, you know, George Floyd, um, you mm. know, that incident happened. Um, a lot of my work around anti-racism came up because there were lots of conversations in workplaces where they wanted to talk about things but found it really, really difficult. And then lots of other things came up, you know, um, you know, well, are, are we fair as an organisation? Um, can we talk about racism or anti-racism? Um, and it just made a lot of organisations look at their equality, diversity and inclusion policies. Mm. And many of them, you know, many were really honest and said, you know what, we really aren't sure how to implement these. So that's where my, um, that's where I was asked to to, to come in and help. And um, a lot of the stuff I get is, is pure referrals um, now. So I, I don't tend to approach companies. They then often recommended to me now. So that's how I get my work. <laughs> It's quite incredible, isn't it? But yeah, in a year 2020 where we were all sort of physically apart more than we ever have been, um, it sort of really brought racism to the fore, didn't it? Through various incidents, of course, the death of George Floyd um, is one. And then, of course, the anti-racism protests that sparked the Black Lives Matter campaign. It sort of infiltrated the uh, the realms of sport as well and uh, was given a lot of uh, broadcast there. So um, it's really come to the fore in the uh, the last uh, couple of years. And Mm. I think you're you're right in saying that a lot of businesses maybe because it is such a sensitive issue, um, they aren't really quite sure how to to actually um, approach something uh, like this. Yeah, Um, that's that's right. Yeah. 
you know. Um, so a lot, a lot of um, much of the things, um, you know, it's terminology. That's that's a really big one, mm. and language. And you know, I didn't. So I'm, you know, working with organisations, I've noticed there were um, barriers, and then I identified five barriers, and um, I work with organisations to to look at those barriers first. So it's really getting the staff to look at their own barriers to towards anti-racism. And then we look at the pathway. So all the things that will help them to get to, to um, be able to have conversations. Because my, you know, my work is really around conversation. And somebody asked me yesterday, you know, what does it mean to you anti-racism? And, and it's really about inclusion and belonging. You know, um, giving people the space if they want to talk about it. But it is a really difficult conversation to have. So what I do is I help people to have those conversations, you know, which they find really, really difficult. Difficult, But it's about getting through the barriers first before you can, you know, open up the pathway. So, yeah, it's, it's mm. challenging work, but it's so, it, it, it's so so much value is created by, by, by doing this. And I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's very interesting, isn't it? That despite all of the tragedy associated yeah. with COVID, it could end up being a watershed moment when it comes to sort of social inequality, because it's really sort of laid bare yeah. some of those underlying issues within society, hasn't it? And that's not just in terms yeah. of people's digital competencies, um, because obviously, mm. like I say, people have had to work from home, learn from home, but it's also the fact yeah. that, the virus has adversely affected people of different demographics because of sort of various yeah. reasons, the living conditions they find themselves in, the type of care they're receiving. So yeah, it could well right. be a real moment of change this, couldn't it, moving forward? It is. And that's what I love about this work because, um, you know, sometimes, it, you know, you, you, things have got to go really bad before they go better. And um, it seems like this is what's happened. So, you know, what happened with George Floyd, that was a catalyst, but also... Um, as you alluded to, the disproportionate amounts of black and brown people dying of COVID has really opened up. Um, it's just opened up so much and it's just made people think, you know what, we, we need to really think about, um, you know, how we look after people. Um, and an example I, I would give is um, a, a, my doctor um called me one day because I, you know, I've got a medical condition and that she was, you know, she was about to prescribe me some, some um, medication. And then she came off the phone. So we had a telephone conversation. And then what she did, she came back and says, I've noticed you're a, a black Caribbean woman. These, this medication won't work for you, mm. but these will, you know, and that's an example that, you know, the more and more awareness we have um, on on different people's ethnicities, the more they can be supportive. So, um, you know, th these are the kind of things that are coming up. People are becoming so aware. Um, practitioners, professions are becoming so aware that there are some um, groups that need particular treatment or there are other groups that need a bit of a, a help in getting into the leadership um, roles. You know, so lots of organisations are looking at at their leadership in, in particular, you know, ooh, what can we do to, to support more black and brown people to get into leadership positions or mm. go into particular industries, um, you know, and there are some people who are resistant to it as well, you know, that, that say, well, well, you know, if I'm not uh, a black woman or 
a, a brown woman, you know, if I'm a white man, I get left out, you know, and it's about talking and saying, you know, some people need a bit more help than others, you know, and it's not just about equality, it's about equity as well, you know, um, you know, it, and, and inclusion and making sure that things are fair all around. Some people need a little bit extra help than others. And, and it's about supporting those people to do that and working with organisations, um, whether they're voluntary, um, uh, public sector, private sector, you know, they really started to look more at um, how they do things. And, you know, the leaders, it's the leaders that, that I'm speaking to, the CEOs and the, the company directors, heads of departments, who are really saying, you know, we really, really want to make sure that all of our staff are getting the support that they need to, to move um, through the organisation and feel mm. like they belong, you know. And I suppose a huge part of that support as well is now sort of revolving around mental health and well-being because that's something yeah. we've become much, much more aware of over the uh, the last couple of years since it's been so amplified yeah. by the effects of lockdown. Um, how yeah. important is mental health within the workplace? Not just, of course, in terms of as leaders safeguarding that of our colleagues, but also looking after our own as well because CEO and director burnout is also a very, very real thing. Definitely. Um, and I speak to CEOs who can't sleep <laughs> because mm. they're worried about the finances, you know. Um, but it really is, it, it, and during the, the lockdown, it's become even more um, of a focus because lots more people are working at home. They're working in isolation. Mm. Um, some people have really struggled with technology, you know. Um, but that working in isolation and, and being at home that that's really really um, played a, a major part in, in you know people suffering nowadays, and organisations are really really taking that seriously now. And um, what CEOs are doing, and you know, I I do I'm a member of the Federation of Small Businesses, so what we do is we get together with small businesses, mm. and um, you know, I, I'm one of the group leaders in Hackney where I live and also the diversity and inclusion lead for London. And what we do is, is we have online sessions for business owners to, to meet and talk about things that they're, they're struggling with, talk about hopes and dreams, you know, and just to break the isolation. And organisations, the public sector, private sector, they're doing the same. So they know that people are working at home and they, um, you know, they have well-being sessions where they've got yoga or they log on once a day 10 minutes just to do a check-in how are you doing you know so more and more of that is is happening um and i'm you know i do some lecturing and what um some of the groups do because i work with some couple of the councils their staff come in and a lot of them say you know what i come in once a week because this is the only time i get to interact with people you know yeah so um but yeah mental health is 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 big on the agenda and i think it was starting to become big anyway but this has made it it's just blown it up mm. even more 
Yeah, I, to- I totally agree just because everyone is now so much more aware of it and there's now so yeah. much more sort of investment going into mental health services yeah. and a recognition of how badly it's been affected by the uh, the pandemic. And you make a yeah. very important point on um, people's sort of workplace interaction there um, as well because mm-hmm. there's a lot of talk at the moment about what the workplace of the future, particularly for office workers, could look like. Is it going to yeah. be largely sort of working from home? Are businesses yeah. going to be jettisoning their office spaces or retaining them? There's a lot of factors mm-hmm. in that, finances, well-being. And I think it's becoming sort of abundantly clear that if company finances allow it, the hybrid mm-hmm. workplace may well be the answer, offering that sort of ability to come yeah. into work, to socialise, to sort of get away from the home environment, but also the flexibility as well, because there are benefits to both sides. Yeah, um, and some some organisations have, have um, they've, they've let go of their buildings. Mm. They've let go of their buildings. Um, some um, staff are going through restructure. Some are losing their jobs, or their jobs have been deleted. They have to reapply. So that even adds more to their mental mental health stress as well. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of of, of things going on. And, and yes, you, you're so right about the, the hybrid working. So you know, I lost. Um, my office space in 2020 so a lot of my administration I do at home and then when I go out to deliver I've got you know I've got somewhere to deliver um, but yeah a lot of people are losing their, their spaces and, and the hybrid working is is coming it's becoming more popular mm. but then from March we don't know what will happen because we, we don't know if, if, if people are going to be allowed to go back out into the workplace and if they have to look for a new office space and all of those things people are, are thinking about now. Mm. And there's going to be a rising sort of cost of living crisis on the horizon, high utilities oh, bills yeah. for office spaces, obviously national insurance yeah. going up as well. So all of these factors oh, tie God, in. Yeah. 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 There's so many, so many factors to, to, to consider with, with coming out of, of the lockdown, if we come out of it or when we come out of it, you know, but, um, yeah, the, the the inflation it's it's mm. not right. It's not matching the earnings of people. You know, it's not so, exactly. Mm. Yeah, and and organizer and you know companies are, are wanting to put their prices up because they have to pay more for for suppliers. Um, you know, for their supplies mm. so because they're putting more money into buying supplies because that's going up. They have to put their prices up to match what they're paying for and that's been a real struggle for people yeah so there are a couple of sort of anxious things just sort of waiting Mm -hmm. um, on the horizon for us in 2022 but hopefully as i say it's not going to hamper the progress of industry too much and um, just mm-hmm. before we do uh, wrap up, Grace, I do want to talk about sort of the immediate future um, as well for yourself yeah. and your organisation, Keep It Simple yeah. Training Company. Um, yeah. We're hopefully going to emerge from the acute phase of the pandemic. Of course, that's not certain. But providing that things sort of go well, um, what ideally is it that you would like to sort of achieve over the course of this uh, next 12 months? And are there any sort of big ambitions that you have uh, sort of waiting there, ready to sort of be enacted, as it were? Yeah, I'd I'd love to grow. I'd love to grow. Um, and because the, the the work around anti-racism, there's so much of it. I, I mm. you know, we we need more people. I need more people to um help deliver it. But I'd love to grow and give people um jobs and really make this area of of you know working in anti-racism uh, um an area. It's kind of like a movement, really. Where yeah, so growth. 
is what I'd love. Um, I'd like to do more around helping government look at anti-racism as well and big organisations such as the Football Association, um, the Metropolitan Police, you know. Um, yeah, I'd really like to grow that area even more because it is emerging. But yeah, I, I want to grow it, definitely grow it, grow the company and grow the work. Yeah, because it seems fleeting, doesn't it, that the subject is in the mainstream, as it were, and it needs to sort of be brought into the limelight almost permanently, yeah. doesn't it, to make sure that there is that sort of long-lasting change for certain. And Definitely. Um, I mean, yeah. a personal amb- ambition of mine is to do a, a, a PhD on anti-racism, you know, to really, really get, get to grips with it and to, um, yeah, just to really, yeah. To, to, to get to grips with it and show people like this is what's happening mm. let's do something about it yeah because i think there's sometimes a lack of real awareness of like the reality of things especially yeah. sort of in the uh, kind of the corporate world that institutional racism as uh, as it's that's called it, uh, that's, yeah. that's something that's sort of quite overlooked i think um Definitely. so let's certainly see how that situation develops over the course of the next few months and indeed years and i think as we sort of start to see some of your own ambitions are uh, borne out as well grace i'd even relish the opportunity to catch up and welcome you back onto the show just to see how things are coming along in future I'd love to come back. I'd love to. It's been great talking to you, Scott. Really great. Likewise. It's, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been incredibly enlightening um, as well from my perspective. I'm sure the listeners certainly share that sentiment um, as well. And uh, also, Grace, so just before we wrap up, uh, do take care and do stay safe with all still going on because we're not quite out of this yet, but hopefully better yeah. days are ahead of us. Thank you, Scott. Take care. Yourself as well. And um, I'd like to reiterate uh, that message to all of our listeners uh, today as well. Uh, Please do take care and stay safe with all still going on. And I do hope that you all thoroughly enjoyed the interview today with Keep It Simple Training Companies, Grace Graham. Now, um, if you have listened in today and you feel that you might have your own story of success and of innovation to share with us here at the Leaders Council then we want to hear from you. So why don't you also apply to be on the programme via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Until next time, once more, everybody, please do take care and goodbye.